Hello, this is Cooper Blade, and you are listening to The Viewed Podcast, a series of long-form interviews where I sit down with theorists and practitioners who have something interesting to say about the state, history, and or philosophy of photography. For this week's episode, I got to sit down with the Italian photographer and cinematographer Sirio Magnabosco. A few months ago, I saw a video of his that he had created for National Geographic on the Energiewende here in Germany, and it it was a beautiful little video produced in cooperation with a major cover story on the same topic, and it really transcended what a normal online companion video is. The cinematographic patience and compositional subtlety really allowed the subject of his shots to just be in a way I don't think I had ever seen before in a video produced for the really small screen of YouTube. I then looked him up online and found out that he is also a well-rounded photographer and decided to reach out for an interview. We talk about coming up as a photographer and waiting for his voice to mature before entering the editorial market the difference between the moving and still image, and how he is finding a place for himself in an overcrowded world of images. A little piece of business before we get into the conversation. This will be the final interview of what I've been calling the first season of this podcast. I have other engagements right now here in Berlin and need to take a break from producing this series of interviews, but it has become my life's work to explore pictures and the thought about them. I hope that this is what we have been doing here on this show, and I wanted to take a second to say thanks to those of you who have been listening, and I hope that this is just the beginning, because I don't think that I've even scratched the surface of what is possible for the show. Um, yeah, so with that, here is my conversation with Sirio Magnabosco. It's kind of out of the city and it's always fun to like, you know, be somewhere and you totally see a, a, a corner of Berlin that you've never yeah. even seen before. Yeah, yeah, that's the thing when you live in a place you like, you end up being there all the time. Yeah. Like n- never ever come out of it. Yeah. I, do I st- you like Berlin? Is it is it I still like it, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But um yeah, maybe I miss the nature a little bit. Yeah. Like wild Yeah. Mountains. Yeah. Yeah, mountains and the ocean. Like where yeah. I, if Seattle, where I'm from, is you know you, it's in between. Maybe you don't know. It's in between the ocean and the mountains, and mm-hmm. each one is within fifteen to an, you know sixty minutes away, it's and you don't have any of that here. Yeah. Which is uh, it's fun. It's been challenging because you 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 have to appreciate the landscape for what it is, which I have come to really enjoy. Is this this kind of like Plains, you know, like yeah. fields. Uh, so are you recording? Yeah, Okay, yeah. cool. Because so, it's cool. I think, you know, I think I think you should put this stuff in the podcast. So. Yeah. Where I wanted to start was this, uh, this question of photography, cinematography, their differences, their similarities. Because they're, I mean, I just wrote a paper where I was trying to use a director to make a point about photography and I felt like it was kind of a weird I wanted to make the connection but it was weird to actually make a point and say like this is why I can relate the two because it sometimes they feel I mean they're both photos you know a video is a lot of photos sped up to make give an illusion of motion um so I, I was wondering we could start with your story like where did did it start 
with photography because your work seems to be kind of equally separate separated between uh, photography, cinematography. Where did it start? Um, this kind of uh, enjoyment of the visual. Yeah, um, it's an interesting topic, which I don't think I have a definite answer of, of, of the question. That's what fascinates me, possibly. Yeah. Um, the point for me, it's always been the photography, film, uh, poetry as well, and writing and so on, are languages to express something. But that's something that really is what I'm attracted to. So I, honestly, I never felt like I was a photographer or a filmmaker. I felt always like I'm trying to say something and I'm looking around for the best tool to actually uh, express it. And um, so I tend to reason more in the term of what I'm trying to, 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 to express and if it works. Because... Um, I can be, I, I think I can be very technical, also being nerdy sometimes in the technical side. I need to nail it. Like if, I've, if I see something, I know it can be done. Yeah. I need to get there because I know it can be done and it's much better than not. Um, but otherwise, I work very much using my instinct. And um, I pretty much, if I see it and it works, I have no doubt about it. But I might not know exactly how to make it work, but I know when I see it. Yeah. And so um, that's why it's more almost uh, um, going backwards somehow and um, uh, trying things and then sometimes this, uh, somehow it works. And then I go back and I try to understand how did it work and how to sort of put myself in the condition again so, so some more of it can happen. Yeah. Um, so it's not like, okay, I want to make a film, but it's okay, I want to express this feeling that once in that situation I felt and I, I experienced, how do I do that? Yeah. And then I might try to write it down and it might work or not and I'm not happy, and so um, I try to take picture that can, at least for me, re, re uh, put myself in that, in that situation or in that state somehow, and it might not work, and then eventually it might go to film, and I might find it, for example. Okay, so you started taking photographs. I started, yes, I started taking photographs, um, and, uh, but when I did decide to go to photo school, uh, it was very clear in my mind that actually, um, pros probably filmmaking eventually is what I wanted to do. Okay. But, uh, at that time, which is 15 years ago, um, making films was way more complicated than it is now somehow, or at least it felt like it to me at that time. And it felt like because I was already doing photography and everything was a great way to um, to start um, somehow being in the right direction. Mm. And the, the, somehow the direction ultimately that was expressing visually, mm. expressing myself visually. That's always been the goal. And the thought at the time was, yeah, probably film is the best thing. But then it was like, I don't know, I felt like I should start with photography somehow. 
and uh, that's pretty much what happened. Yeah. So what did you learn in photography? What was it about photography that um, maybe satisfied that uh, desire, like to make a film? So you have, like for me, I always talk about this. I knew that like I had seen photographs could be, I, I had been moved by photographs, whether it was, you know, a picture of myself that my mother had taken or of our family or of some landscape on a postcard. And then I remember seeing a landscape somewhere and I thought, hey, if I just take a photo, like it will be, I will make something powerful like that. This is kind of me thinking back to how I was just reacting at the time. Right. And then I took a photo which was with, you know, like a, a disposable camera. And obviously it didn't do it. You know, it was it was kind of bad. It was a bad photograph. Maybe it'd be good if I looked at it now. But at the time it didn't, you know. It didn't say what you felt there, what you're trying to express. Exactly. Mm. And so was there a time for you when you... I don't know, you had, was there something that inspired you? And then do you remember the first time you kind of realized like that there, there is something about this visual photographic image that uh, made you pick up a camera or was there a moment? We're wondering? talking about still photography. Right yeah. Now. yeah, or or film or however that. Yeah, um, I guess the feeling is that sometimes, you know, um, we might get back to this, but... Uh, Possibly the main fa the main thing in my work is um, the perception of what's around us, the perception of what we see, what we experience. That's the, the thing that interests me the most, and uh, how this perception is can be subjective, and uh, how the same thing can be seen in a completely different way by two person in the same place at the same time, and. Um, and I don't know why, but uh, I always, since a kid, felt that I was conscious about this thing. I was conscious about the fact that I, the way I was seeing something uh, was different by, uh, from other people seeing the thing because they were not as interested as I was in this thing. And I couldn't understand why they weren't interested because they were looking at it like I was looking at it. And... Um, and so you have this drive, you know, to point your finger at something. It's like when you see something beautiful and you have with a friend or something or, or a companion and you have to say, hey, look at that. It's amazing, you know. And I felt the need to do the same on things that for me were um, extremely interesting and for other people seems to be ordinary. Um, so somehow before uh, finding photography, I felt like I had no voice at least in, in, in this certain situation or in certain kind of things, in a way that I knew all this thing, I seen all this thing, and I couldn't show it to anybody, you know? It's like having some visible objects that only you can see, and yeah. it's like, oh, I so wish I can show it to people. And, um, and I guess that uh, with photography, for the first time, I found that I could actually show it. That if I took a picture in a certain way, in a certain frame, in a certain light, of certain things, people will actually look at these things and uh, have a reaction from it and sometimes enjoy it or or uh, at least notice it. And um, and that was extremely liber... Uh, uh, I would say... Liberating? Like it liberating and yeah. also when you get this feeling of um, 
um, excitement, you know, that comes from finally something yeah. very new happen. Yeah. Mm. And you had you had attempted to do something, and the people reacted in the way that you wanted them to. And it's it was like I found the right word, you know, like yeah, <laughs> you try to say something and you're missing this word, and finally you find it. It was like I found it, and people got it, you know. Okay. And then I was like, wow, you know, now there's so many things I want to say, you know, which I, I kept there, and uh, um, and um, it was also somehow, yeah, creating something that. Um, now it existed, like these ideas or this vision that I had, they were a concrete part of the world I live in. So I guess uh, it's also a matter of um, balancing your inner or personal experience with the external and more concrete material experience. And somehow in this picture, which is a very concrete piece of paper with this image on it, uh, had these two sides, you know, my internal side and this external thing that people can look at touch and and, and comment and react to uh, it's kind of a bridge and so was this when you were studying was this um this was a pro I, I, this was before um i uh, i used to work uh, as a web designer see when i was uh, uh 17 i started just as for fun and then became a job part-time job while i was studying and um, and so again, for f I had this server in the in the cellar, the friend, and we were playing with it, and we installed. It was the time where photo blocks were starting, just after blocks were born, with the photo blocks, and there were no photo block pa platform at the time, but you had to install your own server side thing and just made it. So we just made one for uh, like an exercise. Because um, I was just came back from a, a interrail trip in Europe with this ticket, you can uh, uh, ride trains for one month all over Europe. Yeah. It's quite for cheap. Um, and I had this one, this first digital cameras, really compact, two megapixel uh, camera, and I took a bunch of pictures. I was alone for this month, so I had nothing else to do than to observe and take pictures. And, so I came back with all these pictures and started posting these pictures once, one every day on this. And um, somehow people started visiting the site, website. And uh, after a couple of months, I had hundreds of pictures that, uh, of people that every day would come and look and comment and expect new pictures the day after. Oh, oh. And of course, sooner or later, I, I finished the picture that. So I had to go and take picture. For the website to, to fulfill the need that you had created, yeah, because I had people, um, uh, yeah, commenting daily about it, and uh, I had friends that you know call me if I post late. They call me <laughs> and say, you know, are you alright? Yeah, and because it was really the early days of this, so um, you had this banner exchange, and people with just some links, and there were some um, top ten and so on. So it was fairly easy to um, get seen actually just because you had the platform and um, yeah so I started taking pictures and there is where I um, understood that uh, uh, pretty much what I told you just before and then decided that probably uh, I should go to photo school because at the time I had no idea about photography I, mean, I knew nothing about photography or what I wanted, or what I wanted to do in photography yeah mm. And then you go to school and... I went there with, uh, uh, yes, not knowing. I took every course basically there and thinking mm. maybe 
I would be a fashion photographer or um, darkroom, um, printing darkroom, like a commercial darkroom guy. And, uh, and then uh, school, mostly school, 98% helped me to understand what I did not like to do. Like, I did not like to take still lives, for yeah. example, and stay in the dark studio all day and nibbling with little things. Uh, I am admire who does it, but uh, it was not for me. And many other things, I really learned what I didn't like, which is a blessing. Mm -hmm. And also learned a lot of technique, which uh, it turned to be very useful then later. Mm -hmm. um, and 2% positive, very positive was to get contacts with certain people. And from there, um, I had one teacher especially who encouraged me to go my own way, basically. It was the reportage class. And, uh, you know, you have this homework and you do your things and you try to do it as best as you can. And then on my free time, I was going around and taking pictures with the cross-processing film, which uh, you should... Uh, um, a positive film and you develop as a negative and you have this crazy color and contrast and things get t tend to be more abstract somehow and um, and I was way more free when I was taking these pictures and somehow they slipped out of my folder and the teacher saw them and said, hey, wait a second, what is it? And like, no, no, it's just something I do. And then, uh, yeah, and then he, he was director of a photo magazine and he published this work. Huh. And uh, that really showed me that, you know, I shouldn't try to be uh, Robert Frank or William Klein and whatever. Yeah, uh, I should just follow what I like, and then that's what I've done after school. So you, so you come out of school, and did you start working as a photographer right away? Did you continue to work as a web designer? Did you? Um, and then when did these series? You have a, a series of une unexpected meditations, falls, falls the shadow, and three point three billion. Mm -hmm. Um, which are on your website. Yeah. How long, like, when did these start? When did you start making these series? And uh, what were you, were you working as a photographer? And um, No, no, yeah. I mean, um, some overlaps. The experience, uh, as I was finishing school, um, I, yeah, I, I was still working as a web designer, uh, but also going to school, and I was living in Milan, in another city. So I wasn't making that much money. But uh, um, I did, I was, I needed to take pictures at that point. I was looking to just going and, and discovering this thing. And then uh, I started just shooting. And uh, I did send some pictures to a couple of uh, um, awards. And uh, I got some uh I, I won or got like mentioned somebody and some of that and I end up doing a couple of workshops um, in, in, in Italy and meet other photographers and so on as a, they were like the as a uh, award that I got with yeah. these workshops and what happened I mean there was this moment which now to be honest I look back and I can't remember what was going on in my mind because basically, thanks to the, well, one of the jury of one of these awards was uh, the head of one of the biggest, the biggest 
uh, Italian agency, which all through the years of school and was the dream of everybody was to get into this agency because the bigger one, biggest one and so on. And most of the photographers I admire, they were working there. And uh, she was in the jury and one of these awards that I didn't win, but she loved my work so much that she said, uh, give me a contact with this guy because I want him in the agency. And um, and I remember this day, so, so I remember exactly where I was, and um, and somehow in my head went through the fact that because I needed money so badly, I was extremely conscious that if I would join an agency at that point, I would if you know. Color picture, black and white picture, or a straight picture, I knew would sell better, or that what they needed, I would start shooting like that. Mm. And I had this feeling that I just started to find who I was, photographically speaking. Mm. I had a hint, I had few, I took thousands of pictures, and you know, four or five had something which smelled like something that I remember from another life or something, you know, like that's the feeling. Yeah. Um, and but it was so little, so delicate. It's just like listening to a whisper and thinking, okay, you know, uh, somewhere there, that's what I'm looking for. And uh, I was really scared to lose this and to start just working. And uh, because through school, you know, it was all about the working business of photography, actually. So I knew. I didn't experience, but I had an idea what it was. Um, and so I completely avoided this contact, which kept on trying to come from different sources. And, and now I, because I don't remember for <laughs> most of the other thing, I don't remember being so smart <laughs> at that time, you know, uh, if I look back now. And uh, so this was uh, an extremely smart thing that somehow um, I managed to do. Um, because uh, what happened is that, yeah, I started just saving the money I could, and then I end up in this trip that took me uh, through Turkey and Iran, and so I was convinced that I wasn't doing my best job yet, you know? So, um, I, I mean, for the potential that, that I felt in that moment, and the end, and the, as I told you, because I... I had few pictures that were really on the right direction, but I needed to have, you know, 20 of them and not just three. Yeah. And to say, okay, uh, I know how, how to do this. And uh, so I took and I went to this trip uh, for, I just chose to go to Iran because it was, I was keep on reading this name somehow. And then I realized I know nothing about it. And I thought, yeah, why well, don't just go there, you know? Because also it was a place I wouldn't, I didn't have any preconcept of, and it was an adventure, and uh, I like that. So um, yeah, so I flew to Istanbul. I spent a month in Turkey, going around, and then I took a train from uh, Istanbul to Tehran, and then I spent a month in uh, in Iran, around um, uh, traveling as cheap as possible and photographing as much as possible. And uh, it was a uh, very uh, instructive trip, of course. And the thing still there was, uh, again, Iran, at that point it was the elections and was on the paper a lot. Mm -hmm. And I studied photojournalism. I knew, <laughs> you know, it was one plus one. Yeah. But at the same time, 
I wasn't interested in taking pictures of the election, really, you know. I, I was at least understanding what was going on, looking at it. But I didn't feel like I had nothing to say about it. I, okay, I was there at the camera, but that was the only relationship with it that I felt personally. Yeah. But there were many other things that interest me. So I would end up with my back to the elections, taking pictures of something that, <laughs> on the other side of the street. Mm -hmm. And somehow that was just a moment where I decided, you know what, it's fine, you know, just just do what you feel. Somehow, I don't know, uh, it's going to come together some, 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 somehow. And uh, and I just went for it because, you know, it would have been an easy way to make some money at that point. And, uh, yeah. And um, so, yeah, again, so I did this work, and with this work uh, I got some other contacts. I ended up in this master class with uh, Giorgia Fiori and Gabriel Baure. That um, was really, really interesting. We used to meet uh, once every four months in a different city with a group of 12 photographers and uh, discuss about our personal work. And after four months, we go back and we see uh, what happened. That happened for two years. And, uh, and there, that's where I met. Uh, there were guests, and uh, I guess was a photo editor. And she enjoyed my work. And then eventually, months later, uh, um, she published some of the sheets. Commissioned some work for the magazine, yeah. and from there I started working for magazines and uh, and on and on. Was this more reportage? Was this more? Was this the style of kind of the stuff you're doing now? Was kind of um... yeah. At the time, she I was like, you know, uh, what should I do? And it was a portrait of um, of some uh, famous rugby player, okay. I think, or something. And uh, like, you know, what, what do you need? And she's like, just do like you normally do. But instead of your subjects, put this guy there. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the thing. So she liked my style. It was editorial and I've been working in the editorial feed a lot most of that, yeah. in the last years. Yeah. Uh, like, uh, yeah, a lot. And um, yeah, and uh, trying to keep my style at the same time, of course, uh, you end up also knowing exactly what the magazine needs and uh, you adapt to that and it becomes pretty much a job. How long ago was that? I ran, uh, it was 2008. Okay. I think nine, eight, nine, yeah. Yeah, eight years ago. And then, and because I just noticed like your your work on your website is not, there's not really any editorial work yeah, on there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, Editorial-wise, and I always sometimes I had a small portfolio, but the point is always that if somebody see a client see your editorial work, uh, usually ask you for something that is like lower in what I consider interesting. Okay, yeah. You know, if you start from there, and I know if a client calls me because of my more uh, let's say personal work. Um, Normally, when there's some money involved and there's a commission, you have to adapt a little bit, but you start from a higher point, so uh, you end up lower but still decent. Okay, and kind of the idea that you, you, they can't say like, "Hey, take this portrait that you've taken before." You can kind of say like, "This is what I do," and I'll translate that into whatever you want me to do. Yeah, it's like if you like this and you call me because of that we probably can get an understanding on how to move forward. Okay. And I've heard a lot of people, just in interviews or talks, I've heard a lot a lot of people say something like that. And so 
that actually works for you in in the real world is to have this kind of portfolio of more of your I, what would I, what I would call like fine art work, and that's what you bring to your the people who come to you and you say like, this is kind of what I do and, and yeah I mean when you say work of course it depends what you mean with work because yeah. <laughs> uh, you know it depends if you want to work it commercially if you want to work it as being happy or you know trying to do. <laughs> Work that you like. So commercially, it's definitely is not. Uh, it's it's it might be a good thing in long term, and I believe in it. That's why I do it. Yeah. But I wouldn't suggest it to somebody who wants to make the maximum amount of money yeah. out of a job like photography. And but there, I knew you know I look around and people are really really good at it, at promoting themselves, at having like a very specific portfolio and, you know, they show. And that's, I, almost, I always met photographer and saw these two sides, you know, the guy who can do everything and is really good technically at it. And you know that whatever you have in mind, it's going to deliver to you. And, um, and somebody that you sort of call because he might have a vision and you might want that vision. Mm. And... Um, the first case, uh, I know I'm not that guy. Um, I I've, I can pretend to be for a week or two, but then I feel like uh, the saddest person <laughs> in the world. Yeah. And uh, so uh, yeah, so I think the worst is when you are you try to be in between. You know, then you want to have. Um, uh, you think okay, I should put, put, uh, show more of my portfolio because. But then you want to also show your artistic side, if you want to call it like this. Yeah. And then, you know, I think it's important to understand sooner or later who you are and just do the best of who you are, really, and push that mm. as much as possible. So you have these, when I was looking through what is on your website, specifically the photographs, you have these three, um, a series of, of unexpected meditations falls the shadow and 3.3 billion yeah. and those three series i felt were kind of similar they they felt mm. they were i don't know if they're all square but they they kind of feel square the you know the subject is usually this a, a person kind of mid something or looking away or um and i was just wondering how that that idea came those you know why? Why did you start shooting in that way? Yeah, um, like like I was saying before, it comes more of an instinctive way. Like I shoot in different forms and, and ways, and and somehow something clicks. I see it, and it really talks to me. And uh, there's that's one thing I love about um, image making is that I was there when I took the picture. And I saw it with my eyes. But then when I see the picture, it tells me things that I didn't saw when I was there. But not because I didn't notice, but there's like a magic into how the image gets processed from the camera and the framing. And it becomes a thing also when it's taken out of context. And um, so the, my own image teach me something somehow. When that's where I'm fascinated from it. And um, then I look back and I try to understand and I, you know, and we can talk about it, but it's not something that I start from thinking. Mm. I start from just instinctively doing and then um, when something works, I isolate it from the rest. 
and maybe I try to understand what were the conditions that make it happen and try to recreate the conditions. But uh, I try to think as little as possible while I'm into work because the problem then is that, you know, we are, we, the, the creative process is a process where you are completely uh, vulnerable and you have no idea if, if what you're doing makes any sense or not. And uh, if you, you are making a fool of yourself and um, you're really exposing yourself. So it's a process where you're, it's not comfortable to do it in the process. And uh, I think uh, instinctively we want to be out of that, you know. And um, I, I recently uh, heard this, uh, an example. I think it fits so well. It's, when, you know, when you show a one-year-old the magic trick, it's just happy about it, you know. But if you show an eight-year-old or a, an adult, you want to know, how you did it. Yeah. Because the state of not knowing, be, knowing that there's something behind it, but not knowing what it is makes us uncomfortable. Mm. And it's the same there. So uh, the, the risk is that to get out of this uncomfortable uncomfort, you want to understand it and you want to control it. And you say, okay, I understand what it is. You know, I, it's about putting people in the middle of the frame and shooting a certain way and so on. Mm. And somehow it works. So I'm just going to do that and think my way through it. And um, but it doesn't for me it doesn't work. I it happens. I was uh, there in Japan during the taking pictures of the series, and I saw this person. The everything was perfect. The light um, was fantastic. But I, I I I just missed the shot by like one second. So I went there and I asked him to just go back where he was because he he walked away. You know, I was mm -hmm. about to shoot and he walked away. And um, so he complied, I took this picture, and I just put the picture in the bunch with the rest. Then I show my work to people I really trust, and you have no idea how many times the picture get pointed as being some, a picture that doesn't work. Mm. But there's no elements, if you look at it, that you can tell um, was different from the others. And um, so, because, you know, uh, like that work, I took pictures of people I don't know, uh, series of unexpected meditations, and, and I'm actually the other two as well. There are people that I don't know that they don't know I'm taking pictures of them, and they are completely unstage moments. So that, mean, that meant walking for days and days and days to find the right situation where I could simply ask somebody to stand there, you know, because they are people, it's not, it's not rocket science. Um, but somehow, again, it doesn't work when I set it up. So, um, yeah, so I don't know what it is that makes it work. That's the thing. Um, but um, I know when it works. Then if I look back, you know, I think the, at that time, at least now, uh, I can't take square picture anymore. I really bored about it. Maybe, maybe Instagram uh, ruined it for yeah. everybody, <laughs> I guess. Um, but at the time, it was a simple way of, you know, there's no vertical, no horizontal, you know, it doesn't matter, it's a square, you know, it's just, that's it. The person is in the middle because there's no other reason to keep it left or right or up and down. It's not about, you know, where if it's left or right, it's not the point. So um, somehow it was a, a balance of taking out and put it in, but without... Um, uh, the idea of their work is, is, is this tension of something something that might happen, but uh, it's not really happening, but there's a potential in it. 
So ideally, you know, nothing is really happening and yet you have a sense that it might be. And so it's, a, it's just the right balance of adding and taking things out that uh, I think make some picture works but that's something that i, I realized after i did yeah yeah and so what were you if you said earlier you said kind of photography was this way of you pointing at something and saying like hey look here i'm more interested in what were you pointing people towards with those yeah, images um, which might be something that you totally realized afterwards I, you know yeah I but think, yeah. i think that's what's interesting about photography is when somebody you know knows what they're talking about in a way or figures out what they're talking about and so i'm just what kind of what were you pointing towards or were you well again i think you know i don't pretend and that's the point of maybe of everything and doing is the fact that you know we live in in a reality that as if you want to simplify it as much as possible to me as two sides one it's the more concrete side. It's me and you here in this room talking and everything you can touch and see and, you know, we know and read and so on. And then we have a more, you can call it spiritual side. There's a thousand ways to, to, to call it, you know, like a more abstract side or which is, you know, la, 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 this sense of absolute that we have, for example, uh, f feelings. Um, some people uh, have a, a need or... Um, a way of looking at this through religion, for example, of or mythology has always been, and it always, it's always been there for for men, you know, and this is a very this thing exists, but uh, it's very often it seems very detached from the way we live. It seems like two completely different things, and I think we live in a paradox where these two things we have to juggle with these two things. Even if you say you know it's all science, it's all concrete, you know, you're still juggling with keeping the other thing out and using science to. Um, to, to, to give you an explanation uh, of it. So I think this for me is a fundamental interest and um, how we see things because the same thing, um, as I said before, can be seen differently by two different people, mm -hmm. but it's the same thing. And um, so I, that for me co complicates everything in a very interesting way. And that's why uh, we have a picture that depict a very concrete thing, but also express feelings to me that I know not being concrete in a way that uh, they might be different from your feeling and so on. So I can analyze this picture. I can analyze the uh, what's happening and uh, what tells me. And I can try to tell you, but I'm a viewer of my own picture, just like you are a viewer of my own picture. Or just like anybody passing by can see the picture and have his own opinion. I don't think this guy's opinion would be less true than my opinion. Mine is just another opinion. The, yes, I saw this picture so many times that maybe it's more uh, articulate. But um, um, but it's just an opinion. What the picture came from, I think, again, not this thinking aspect, but um, opening up as much as possible. Also, this, like I was saying before, this fragile state somehow. And, um, and being completely aware of, of what's going on, not so much in a, well, there was like a part of my brain was aware of what's going on um, in, a, in a concrete way. 
And a part of, my, of myself was aware of what's going on in a more like internal way. I don't know how to express it, but it's like if it's an antenna that feels, you know, vibration somehow. It mm. sounds esoteric and it's not because it happens just naturally. Mm. But the point is that when I'm, and that's why um, most of this work has been done when I was just leave for one or two months and do just that. Because it's not something that you do from three to five in the afternoon, you know, because I have an empty moment. At least it doesn't happen for me so much. I need to tune in somehow and really and um, being perceptive. And um, and when I can get there, then when these things somehow come together, again, I have no doubt. Like, as I shoot the picture, I know it's going to work. I almost no need to edit it, you know. And um, because I, f I, I felt it somehow. As I told you before, uh, what interests me is um, this idea of how we perceive things. And I'm completely convinced that anything, if you look long enough at it, can be extremely interesting and can really contain the answer to everything you want. You just have to look at it long enough. And um, anything. But the point is that it's very boring to look at something for long enough, you know, or if you look at this paper cup too long it's boring yeah and uh, i think sometimes my role is to make things that uh interesting to look at but without necessarily having a meaning which is so clear that you just take it and go out with it okay because for me the point is that um by looking at it you are gonna or you at least uh, ideally um you're gonna find you know, it's the, it's the difference between somebody telling you something or you understanding something. Yeah. I can tell you something a thousand times. It's completely different when you un if you understand it by yourself. Then it's yours. Then you it's an experience that you've done. And that's the point for me. It's to create the experience or to help somebody create his own experience. And that means, you know, bringing somebody close to it but letting the person do the last step. And um, so ideally, uh, if I could just frame a white piece of paper and have people look at it, that's what I would do. That, that's, that's the ultimate impossible achievement. Yeah. But that's somehow uh, it's the goal. But of course, nobody's going to look at a white piece of paper. And so, um, so that's, um, yeah, so that's somehow the, I guess, the balance that I'm trying to, yeah. to swim in. How do you, okay, that's a great concept because I think of it, I mean, you, that's why a lot of people hate religion is because, because it's, they feel like people are forcing it upon them mm -hmm. and uh because we all know like the reason that we believe the things we believe is because at some point it moves you in a way um which is i'm just reiterating the concept mm -hmm. that you were just talking about right, right how do you do that uh photographically or if you don't want to talk specifically maybe about your own you know like practical how you do that photographically how do you see it what in what kind of um images or pictures or whatever do you see it where it's you know not because i think that's a great concept but it, do you see that problem somewhere like certain types of pictures are are forcing themselves you know or forcing what they're trying to say and others are kind of not or in, in photography, mean in general, or, yeah, yeah, kind of anywhere, but more photographically. Or have you seen it in your own? Like you'll take a photo and you'll be like, no, that's maybe too. Is it? Is it that it's too strong? Is it that it's too? What is it about a, a photographic image that makes it this kind of? You know that it's 
forcing itself on you or f telling you something to? I think most of the photography that I see as a, as a clear um, subject or something happening, you know, somebody's doing something or throwing something, or there's an um, irony, ironic moment to it, for example. And, uh, and it's been lately kind of a movement in the last maybe two, three years also on blogs and uh, some kind of blogs specifically and uh, popular photography websites uh, of like one shot um, cool pictures, you know? Yeah. Because even, even more than the Instagram um, phenomenon of the beautiful picture, these sort of sometimes queer cures, picture you have to stop and look at. That's the thing. You know, mm -hmm. they're, they're really catchy. You have to stop and look at It's considered a good photography. Uh, I'm talking about things that, you know, everybody talks about and so on. But to me, they, they seem to be made for, you know, this daily newsletter that you get with this one picture. And then when you look at that, you're like, oh, wow, you know, what is that? You know, what this guy is doing? Or, you know, why is this dead animal on the street, you know, in this um, beautiful American um, road? Sometimes it's like sugar, you know, it tastes super good and the effect passes before you finish it. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, that's a good analogy. And, uh, and I feel similar in these things and uh, uh, I feel like then I get... Um, um, yeah, I don't enjoy, enjoy it specifically. Like, you know, it takes my time and uh, my energy and then it doesn't give me anything. Yeah. And um, so I guess, but the, on the other side, of course, what's the problem? What's the problem with my work? The problem with my work is that uh, it takes more time. You can easily pass it through if you have hundreds of other pictures around it. Or if you have, uh, if you are looking on the phone, on the uh, train, and so on, mm -hmm. compared to these other pictures, and um, it takes time. You sort of, I guess, you know, that's my goal of the work is to have people to look at it for a few seconds at least, mm -hmm. and try to have an idea of it. But to do that, like any good thing, uh, is you need to trust who's doing it because you can't do that with, you know, there's so much content. Same with movies. Why do we watch movies of famous director? Because I don't want to spend two hours watching a movie. Then you know, it's supposed maybe it's good, maybe it's not. And then uh, I don't. I rather watch a movie that has a better chance to be good because another director is a good director. Yeah, yeah. And um, so it's you end up. Uh, yeah, uh, I don't know if I'm answering your question. Yeah, yeah. No, no, definitely. Because I see that too, and this could we could actually take this to kind of uh, transition to a different topic, which is um, you have recently worked for National Geographic doing mm. uh, two videos that I could find online. Mm. One about the Energiewende and right. one about a, a skeleton of a 8,400-year-old skeleton of a baby that was found here near Berlin. Yeah. Um, and I found those two videos, especially the Energiewende, I found it so, it was so different than than things that I had seen, especially from National Geographic in a way. I mean, yeah. National Geographic is a huge organization now, and they, uh, I mean, they also produce some of the best, you know, 
photography out there right now, mm-hmm. like long-term right. projects and fund that. Yes. But I, like I found myself following them on Instagram and they kind of had this, this, I guess sugar is like a very, you know, high sugar content images that are just of like, it's kind of Boom. built to, yeah, get that like. And, but then it's like, it doesn't do the world justice actually. Like when I, you know, if I was really on, you know, in Hawaii uh, snorkeling, like, yes, this kind of bright photo of a starfish is maybe not a starfish, you know, some tropical uh, fish is, is, is cool. But at the same time, I feel like it's, it's too easy. It's too quick. It's too, you know, but then I saw your video, which I, I thought was very uh, patient, like, uh, and your cinematography was very, I mean, I, I saw the influence of a photographer, too. I think I didn't even know you were a photographer when I first seen the, okay. the video. Mm-hmm. So all of this to say, I understand what you're, what, what mm-hmm. you said, you know, yeah. and, and, and uh, I guess I really wanted to talk about the, the video about the, so how Germany is uh, changing its, its, you know, its way of producing energy quite drastically. Um, Maybe we could just talk about that. I would be interested in, like, how did that come about? Did they come to you? Did you go to them? Or uh, I was just interested in that video, too. And then we could go and talk about the visuals more specifically. Yeah, um, yeah that video, everything um, came about because of uh, this good friend of mine, Luca Locatelli. Um, he's a photographer. And uh, yet there is an amazing assignment from National Geographic on the story of the Energiewende. Uh, there were like, I think, 16 pages, uh, something like that. It was uh, the main story of uh, issue on the uh, climate change that came out in September, if I'm not wrong. Um, and, um, you know, this is a great photographer, I got this great assignment, and um, and Pretty much, I had the chance to go along with him. The main thing of this whole uh, trip was uh, um, it was the photo essay. Yeah, and uh, and uh, we talked with National about doing also a video film. And uh, but uh, what I've tried to do because I had. I didn't. I didn't want to do a classical National Geographic documentary because I, it's not really what I'm interested in doing. And uh, but I thought the story was so incredible. The story is about uh, Germany being actively pushing for a transition from traditional form of energy to renewable form of energy that they are doing despite economical interests or sometimes people. Um, interests uh, in short term but the idea is that it's more of a at least it's more it's way more complicated than this but let's say the superficial aspect of it is that it's an idealistic uh, thing that they're doing showing that if Germany can do it everybody can do it and they're gonna just push it and uh, and it's everywhere it's you know often you do these editorial stories and you don't um, you have to sort of Follow more than story as it was supposed to be than as it is, yeah. but it was definitely we everywhere we go. This uh, phenomenon was really evident, so it was interesting to be in a story where actually you know that it was happening. Yeah. And nation, it's amazing the research they do. It's really it goes really deep, and uh, 
Uh, they they extremely serious in what they do. It's a fantastic. It's a great experience. I I I I I, I, I hear about this this topic and I see this topic and I'm thinking uh, there's a chance somehow for me to to express my way of perceiving this thing. Yeah. And um, and I pretty much went along. Um, also um, uh, working with Luca, I, he was taking the picture and I was uh, somehow helping him for what I could um, and shooting this thing. And uh, and I ended up showing to them at the very end, you know, so I shoot this thing completely independently. And then I presented them an edit and um, we shortened it a little bit for the web. But uh, to their credit, they end up changing nothing basically. And because, you know, so the music, I just did it exactly the way I thought it should have been. Yeah. You end up being shorter for what they published, but that was it. Yeah. And, um, and I was, uh, surprised by my idea was, listen, you know, um, either I do it the way I think should be done or, or I do something else. So I just went, I did it the way I thought it should be done and he ended up, uh, surviving, uh, until the end, the yeah. way it was. And um, yeah, so it kind of happened there because at the beginning they they weren't really expecting much. Uh, they weren't. I don't think they were thinking about even having a video. And the idea was to see what happened, and then we decided. And yeah. then when they saw it, they decided that they liked it. And that was so. I was in the best position in that sense because I had no pressure. I really try not to have this pressure. And uh, yeah. And you, yeah, and you had the all the access that you needed to it's make crazy, a good crazy access. Yes. Because, well, first of all, so what was your? Did you have an idea of what it was going to be before yes, you did I, it? Yes, I was. I'm inspired by this idea of observing, just observing. Like I said before, if you look at something in the right way, and uh, you start noticing things. Now, um, in last September, I was in Mexico with uh, another friend of mine. We shot a feature documentary. And now we're editing these days. We're spending our days editing this movie. And it's incredible. You watch, so to edit, we have 55 hours of footage. So you have to watch it. Uh, you, you take a day, you take a situation, and you have to watch all your shots. So you watch these long takes. And these long takes sometimes are amazing. There's this scene with the camera just there in the middle of the street and this kid uh, eating some uh, chips and looking at the camera and you see that there's a bully guy who wants to look cool. And then uh, this guy just finishes his chip, throw the packet on the floor, go home, get out with the plastic rifle, make a sign to the other kids. They jump up, follow him through the church. It's amazing, you know, it's like six minutes, but so many things happen in a very subtle way. Then you put this thing in the final cut and you start cutting with the song that somebody was playing before and put some other stuff. And suddenly it's the most boring thing ever. Just because the rhythm of what happened before and somehow after you edit, um, it was faster. And uh, that's really terribly fascinating for me because again, the same exact shot can be extremely interesting or extremely boring. But to me, you know, it was, I see it and think, you know, this, I'm bored. I like this idea of observing something but finding the right balance with uh, the framing, the, what's going on, and uh, the sound, which, uh, as uh, you said before, uh, um, 
is extremely important. And so that was my idea starting. I just want to see if I can, uh, you know, be, put, be there and not be there at the same time. So I put my vision, but not um, force it too much. And, uh, and then again, you need the right uh, rhythm, the right, ba- right balance between the scenes and what you shoot and how you shoot it, how wide you are, uh, how close you are. But I don't want to necessarily say, look at that, now we cut to this and you look at that, now you cut to this and you look at that. But it's like, hey, he's, here is everything. Mm. But actually, you know, I know you're going to notice these things. And, uh, um, and in these little things, because, you know, sometimes stories are in this detail, you know, stories are in the machine and it's working and it's working and it's working all day long and excavating this thing, you know. Mm. It just goes on and there's the guys around there that make sure that it's not uh, falling down to pieces. But mm. that's the reality. Every day is going right now. That's what's going on, you know. And um, and it's this process, if you just think about it, uh, it's so massive and so, you know, um, uh, cutting through earth and digging up. You can make a spectacular picture of somebody who's digging something, you know, and uh, or a spectacular shot of it. But the reality is that if you think that this just keep happening, to me it's way more heavy and massive and impressive. That's the thing. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so that was the idea, just trying to observe and let things happen and uh, but make it in- not make it boring. You did a great job of, you, you know, I think scientists a lot of the times, or not scientists, I've done a couple projects where we collaborated with a school, with a university here in Berlin. And uh, I was always thinking about this, um, you know, I'm, I'm kind of naive in a way, like I don't know, I'm not an expert on, uh, like you wouldn't be a, an expert on the Energiewende, right. you know, going through that. How do you, do you have that thought in your head? Like, how do I... Um, kind of you know there's this kind of the 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 scientists don't like the artists and the right. artists don't like the scientists because one's too emotional and one's too um technical. you know material mm. technical you know so um did you have that kind of i guess that's what you're talking about earlier you were saying like you have we have these two ideas like the metaphysical and the physical how did you during this project specifically did you think about that as you were going through like how do i uh um, translate this in a way that it, you know, has some sort of substance behind it. I think, like, while you're talking, I'm thinking that, you know, somehow you, I think because we are human, every kind of work we do, we want to feel like somehow we can be useful, right? And it can be needed. Um, and I'm just the same. And, uh, I guess sometimes I find justification in what I do because everything I see around me, um, there's so much of the other stuff, you know? There's so much, there's a great long article that's been written on uh, Nat Geo about the story, for example. And there are a million of information about this and uh, of every form. And somehow I think, okay, you know, like, um, I don't think they need me to add to this information so much. So I feel like justified on somehow going to more of what actually feels to be in front of this uh, world, or in front of this thing that is either disappearing, like these nuclear pl- plants or, or uh, coal mines, or this new thing that are being created and they look uh, like uh, it's a different world and, uh, and suddenly. 
and uh, and I'm thinking that from my experience I don't find it so much you know uh, I'm not saying I'm the only one who does it or whatever but I'm thinking all right you know if I have to balance thing let's put put some fire on that uh, place instead of the other one and, yeah uh, so um, so yeah I wasn't I was worried on personally understanding as much as I could about the topic but uh, being realistic that I guess uh, I should have expressed what was touching me for the most that was I was good at expressing yeah. and I really feel like the journalist wrote the piece he was really touched about the more um, the con- more more of the content part of it yeah. you can see you can definitely perceive that you know and he was the perfect person to write about it and uh, so yeah I guess that was the thing not yeah. to try to put all together but just to focus on one aspect and try but try to do as best as I could yeah which definitely comes across like just this one it keeps coming back in my mind when there's these machines on the blades and they're like they must be testing you know the how much or they're just testing its strength over time you know after getting hit by the wind and there's these machines that are strapped onto the blades of the windmill that are just going up and down and up and and the the way you photographed it from underneath and uh you know it was just and the sound i think the sound really made it too like it it felt and the whole thing kind of feels like you're observing this almost like alien uh ness about it Mm -hmm. you know like which is i mean that's the truth about it is that this it's like uh you know we're trying to inherently change the way that we live and we're creating these machines and people are wearing these weird clothes and then we build a you know like a kind of a uh what's that you know like a ride inside of an old nuclear plant like i just thought that i thought it was brilliant and i think yeah, you really did a good job me, there is that uh, you know energy is invisible and we need it but it's also something that is potentially very dangerous and I see a lot of similarity with this idea of uh, God in certain religions and so on, you know, like these uh, nuclear plants that were like cathedral. It's a huge building that you, as you come in, you can't but feel small to it and have a sense of reverence. And you know that this thing, you know, which you don't see, can any moment kill you and everybody around. Mm. But you need it, you know, and you work for it, and you pray that it does what it does. So it's uh, a lot of connection with religion, if you see in that sense. Mm. And I had this feeling through and throughout this thing, you know, that we uh, is this thing that we are afraid of, but also that we want and we need, and we sort of uh, try to get in our favor. I I just read an interview with you where you refused to answer. Uh, a question about what kind of camera that you use because really? you, yeah which i thought was it was great you know it was because you said like you wanted people to test it out uh themselves and that your camera choice is very personal but i'm wondering like when you did this video were you by yourself or do you do the sound and the video and yeah yeah at that time i did sound and video yeah and uh, yeah i think that um experimenting by the mistakes you do while you go through lenses and setups and camera, you really understand what it is you're looking for. Yeah. You know, that's the thing. And um, so it's very, um, it's part of the game in the sense that uh, the language that you're going to use and uh, uh, he has to be 
and you have to understand it at least. You know, that's like grammar. Yeah. You can write uh, very f freely. You can write poems, and but you need to know grammar, even if you don't want to use it or or, or um, consciously use it incorrect incorrectly. Yeah. Um, so. So yeah, it's the same with technique. I'm very precise, and as I said before, sometimes I'm a bit nerdy about it. And it's a matter of finding a system which is light and portable and practical, but gives good results. It's that's the challenge. Yeah, yeah, that thing, National Geographic, was all shot on tripod. Which it also has that, like I said, picture quality. Yeah. You know, like I've, I felt that you were... You know, sometimes I think there's a couple shots where it's not, there's no movement at all. It's just this static shot. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, the framing, I feel very influenced by photography. Yeah. And sometimes when I worked with uh, other filmmakers or when I noticed some work, I'm really surprised by how little, um, uh, I would say, how little attention they put into, like, you know, it's, it seems it doesn't really matter if... Uh, the image per se is not so good, but they need a shot to feel like a detail, mm -hmm. you know? So I shoot the scene, I need the detail. And um, yeah, maybe sometimes I'm too, sometimes I think maybe I'm too... <laughs> too conscious of <laughs> too it? Fixed on yeah. that. Every single frame has be, you know, as good as I can yeah. do it. Yeah. Okay, one, okay, now I want to go back to photography because you have these landscape... Uh, yeah pictures mm -hmm. that you shoot on four by five and uh and uh, medium format yes. yeah um i'd really just love to hear you i mean I, I think you were you've been have you been to the stephen shore exhibition right. in co and he does these landscapes too yeah. um you know and then to hear him talk about how he does it you know and and and, and he's so thoughtful in how he especially like these landscapes i felt like it was like he was you know almost like he had well, he talks about how he would walk along the landscape before he photographs right. it, and and um, yeah, and funny. then landscapes. I feel like are very um, they've become kind of cliche in a way. Like yes. it's you know it's it's um, to hear him talk about landscapes in a way really kind of opened my mind to like okay maybe one could do that because it's not just about maybe it's because we just see that they're so small and like when you stood when I stood in front of his pictures I was overwhelmed in a way you know mm -hmm. and and uh so i would love to hear you just talk about that work like why did you do that um if you think it's like uh that landscapes are also they've become so they're unthoughtful because people just like think wherever they are they can take a landscape but i feel like yours you i felt like you were thinking about them and i would love to hear just how you think about them yeah it's funny you mentioned Stephen Shore because it's uh uh, it's been a direct uh, influence on that project. Um, yeah, yeah, I thought I completely, I mean, I could have said what you said. And um, I've had this opportunity uh, from this German editor. I, uh, they have a magazine called Mare, and uh, I work with them two or three times. And then every year they publish a book about uh, a location. And they're really tasteful, they're really. Uh, Good quality and stuff, and uh, and so the 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 chief there called me and asked and proposed me to do the next book, which would have been Scotland. Mm. And uh, as I was super happy at the beginning, uh, then 
um, I was really close to uh, not taking the job, actually, because I never shot landscapes before, really. And uh, the point is, like, saying the landscape is there's nothing. Where's the su- there's no subject, you know? It's just, like, space. And uh, and normally I shoot landscape, and then I put together, like, editorially, you have a lot of landscape that goes together with a portrait or with somebody in it, often, or a story. But in this case, it was just Scotland, you know? The whole tip of this huge island. Yeah. And everything there was good. It was game. And... Um, so I was, I was, I was, um, I didn't think, you know, there's a thousand calendars of Scotland. There's a million postcards and mouse pads and t-shirts, everything, yeah. you know. It's like, what do I have to say about this place? You know, what, what can I add? Because it, it, the project um, had to be, I have to cover the whole seasons. Okay. And I end up going back there six times in two years. It was a long project. I spent months of time there. And if you're there for months, taking pictures that you know nobody needs, yeah. except just to publish another book about it. Uh, to me, it's it's really depressing. I've been there a long time, sometimes with editorial jobs, you know, when you say, okay, you know, I just need to do this. But that's like two or three days. And um, so... I know I would end up miserable unless I would find a reason to be there and a challenge, you know, something that really... The point is uh, the point is to be, I think, uh, into something that you know you might, it might fail, but it might also get something interesting out of it. And the worst thing is when you're somewhere with the best you can do is just, just bring home exactly what is, was needed, you know? Because you have... If the, 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 at best, you know, you just do what you think you were doing. And, um, yeah, that's not a good place to be at. I mean, mm. you create. Mm. So, yeah, so I didn't know how to move. And uh, um, I just turned around in my studio and I have this book of Stephen Shore. And I, because I thought, okay, maybe I should take inspiration of people that uh, somehow I admire. Mm. And I, I literally just turn around, the first book I see, in the line of my eyes is this book by Stephen Shore. I open up and as well there's two pictures of Scotland in it. <laughs> and, uh, and the page later is an interview when he talks about um, standing in a place, looking at the landscape and having somehow you're yeah, walking with your eyes through the landscape and, um, and, this, and having letting the eyes go and sometimes they fly through, sometimes they stop somewhere and then you move and these things, and then everything changed. And then I thought, man, you know, this makes so much sense to me. And uh, and I, just, I thought, okay, I can, I can, I can. This is something I can confront myself with, and uh, and be in an uncomfortable situation of you know seeing if it works or not but if it works that can be something Mm. and um, yeah so so I went and it was really really tough uh, at the beginning because I didn't know what to take picture of where to go and how to take these pictures and uh, and then uh, I decided to shoot on film because uh, I love film and there was a chance for it but at the same time you don't see what you're doing until you're home so I had to, yeah, so 
Um, I mean, it's been an amazing experience, especially being in this wild nature for long periods of time and hiking and, and camping out. And um, um, I, I, yeah, uh, I, you, you, you have no choice but to get in touch with yourself because you have nothing else, nowhere else to ex, ex, uh, escape to. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that definitely gave me a lot and during that time. And so combine that and uh, I try to do the best. Uh, um, I, th- I think it's a uh, decent work that came out. Mm-hmm. But um, I also, at the time, I felt also I was a bit restricted by the fact that I was shooting for a book. And that um, if I just wanted to take pictures of stones, I couldn't. Mm-hmm. Um but uh, also that thing gave me the like ex, ex, uh, the experience of uh, I I I learned so much out of this. Yeah, I can go and talk for an hour about yeah. this experience. <laughs> Are you going to continue to do landscapes? Is that have you have you continued? I guess to do landscapes um, or I somehow I'm st- landscape. I'm still what still attracts me the most is the relationship between human. Mm. and the landscape around him mm. and uh, how the landscape influenced the person and how the person influenced the landscape and this tension in between somehow it's two or or the um, or the lack of tension and the acceptance because I think is probably a question that I see myself in you know how do I relate with the landscape around me how the landscape touch me or how I change it and mm. Um, so I guess the deeply and uh, the human figure, which to me is just uh, you see a lot of my picture that the person is from behind or three quarters, because for me it's not about that person as much as that person is um, is a symbol of human being. It can be anybody, and you possibly. And um, so I guess yeah, so far I'm still very attracted to it. But um, what I like about the few landscapes that they that works is that by looking at them, I can I really I can immerse myself in that situation, in that space. You know, it's the least abstract thing, which is or the earth. Maybe it's not the least abstract thing, but it's it's you know. But then it becomes so weird inside of the viewfinder because you can't, like you said, there's no real subject. You can't like hold on, grab on to something, which is interesting. I've thought about, I wanted to start doing that and just, uh, I haven't started because I don't know how to attack it in a way, you know. It's it's probably the most challenging uh, thing I've done, I think, exactly because of what you said, because it's difficult to see where's the challenge, mm. <laughs> no? Mm. The, where's the... Well, it's difficult to point your finger at something that's not working. Yeah. Because you feel like you're taking pictures of everything, but everything is, becomes nothing. Yeah, yeah. That was once again another lesson that uh, um, you have to go through things. You have to make as many mistakes as possible, like everybody says, because I had this pressure of this publication that good or bad job would have come out with my work on it. And... Um, so I pushed way more, I think, than I would push 
uh, in the in other situation where I was just feeling my guts. Mm. Because if I was feeling my guts, I would probably have changed direction at yeah. one point. Yeah. And but I had to, and I feel like the world evolved uh, uh, way way during this uh, experience. Also because it was extended in time, so I had the chance to learn from mistakes yeah. and trying to understand better. And again, sometimes, you know, you can't, because the, it's also a matter of where you go, you know, it's, if everything is good, where do you go? And it's not necessarily that nice looking place is an interesting place. And then the light and the, the weather and things change uh, behind your control. So the biggest thing there uh, in the end, to be honest, was to stop thinking so much. And just, once again, we go back to this <laughs> in the end and uh, and follow your instinct and i developed this uh, rule because in uh, in scotland before every sharp corner on the street on the on the pay, on the asphalt there's a white um, sign written that says slow and every time i see it i will remember to slow down my brain and stop thinking so much about should i keep on going there there's nothing interesting maybe we should go back maybe we should go up the hill you know, maybe what time is it? What time is the sunset? You know, it's going to be, what's the weather tomorrow? Or, or how was the picture yesterday? Maybe we should go back. You know, and that's the brain keep on thinking and trying to find a solution on how to make something worth of that day. And uh, and when I remember to just slow and just pick one spot randomly on the map and just go through it no matter what, it's when the best thing will happen because you can't control things. You know, it's and if you do, it's when it's not so interesting because it's like I said, it's a well done thing, you know, mm. and uh, so much well done things, and that's come to this anecdote actually. Now that I think about it, of well, very very beginning, I just moved to Berlin, so it was ten years ago, and um, so I was just out of photo school, still looking around, and uh, I uh, end up uh, um, on a couple of books of Martin Parr. And uh, at that time, I was very fascinated by photographers that seemed somehow to do it their own way or to just, you know, go through it, especially the beginning. Um, so there were a couple of books of him that I found fascinating. Not that I liked the photography so much, but somehow, um, and I can say a lot of critical thing about him maybe now, <laughs> But somehow the the attitude of just, you know, it was clearly him. That's what I like, you know. It was clearly him took in these pictures. And I was so curious uh, to, to about who he was and what he was doing that, uh, you know, when you're about to fall asleep, that your mind somehow is in this weird uh, half-dream, half-awake state, and you think things that you don't think normally. And somehow, at that time, I thought, you know, it would be really nice to go and visit him. Mm -hmm. And then, that moment when I was about to fall asleep, I realized, okay, tomorrow I'm going to think it's the stupidest idea ever. So I reached for um, a sock near the bed, and I throw it in the middle of the room, and I fell asleep. Next day, <laughs> I wake up, and there's a sock in the middle of the room. I'm like, why is this sock in the middle of the room? And I think, ah, yeah, yesterday, I throw, ah, yeah, the idea of meeting Martin Parr, or writing him, and go and meet him. Think yeah. now that's the stupid idea ever. And I thought, oh shit, that's exactly what I thought yesterday. You know, that today I wouldn't have believed it. And then like, yeah. I think now I have to do something about it. So I, I found his email. I think I just went on the website 
And I wrote him and said, because at that time, this workshop that I've done and other photographers I met, I always took a portrait of them. Just because I like, I, look, I like to take portraits. So I took portraits of these photographers. And so I just write and say, hey, Martin, uh, can I come and take a portrait of you? And he says, yeah, I can come next week, <laughs> Tuesday. This yeah. is the address. <laughs> so I bought uh, the cheapest ticket to uh, um, Bristol that I can find and book a hostel. Bought six bottles of wines from Italy <laughs> that I had <laughs> to thank him. And I was at home with him. And, uh, and I took some pictures of him in the garden and his house. And then I was hanging around there and amazing book collection and everything. Yeah. He didn't, like, he just left me there for a while and then he told me, hey, uh, maybe you should go now. <laughs> <laughs> and then I said, you know, I have some pictures. Maybe, you know, I can show it to you very briefly. And I gave him the wine and then he had to say yes. Yeah. And then uh, he saw some of these pictures. And he says, you know, he says they're really, really nice pictures. He said, but I don't think we need any more nice pictures, <laughs> you know, in the world. Yeah. And that was a flash, you know, because uh, after like the first experience of the school, I told you I was just doing my way. And uh, then I began to work and I started thinking, you know, I need to take good pictures. How, you know, how do you do a good picture now? Because I need to make a job out of this. And uh, and it just it just this thing just mashing my face, but in a very positive way. And I thought that's true, you know. Why am I taking good pictures? Who cares? And um, yeah, and I think I never forgot that. And I just came back from you know they were talking again. It's like um, if you think too much about how you do things, sometimes you just end up doing the right thing. And um, and as again as I said before. I feel entitled to do something different because so many people seem to do that. And it's good. There's space for good pictures. And it's not like we don't need them. But uh, that's just enough, you know. Uh, so it's okay to, uh, to try maybe to do what you think is fine because, yeah, there's, I think there's space for it. A special thanks to Serio for coming on to the podcast. Uh, you can look up his video that he did for National Geographic on his website, as well as uh, other work that we talked about today. Uh, you can find that website at www.mrsirio.com. Uh, normally on his site, he doesn't have any examples of his commercial or editorial work. However, he gave me a link uh, to a private gallery, which I will post in the show notes to the episode. Keep your eyes out for the upcoming documentary by following him at Mr. Sirio, that's at M-R-S-I-R-I-O, uh, on Twitter and Instagram. If you're in Berlin, Sirio has an exhibition at the Japanese German Center Berlin. Uh, it's titled Expression of Entropic Sound and is a collaboration with a, uh, a sound artist. It goes on until the 6th of June, so check it out. Also, he, he turned the tables on me at the end of the interview and asked a couple of questions about myself and the podcast. So if you're interested in hearing that, stay tuned uh, until the music has stopped. If you have a comment about the podcast, if you have suggestions about people that I could interview in the second season, uh, then send an email to cooper at cooperblade.com or follow me on Twitter at coopernblade. 
you can also subscribe to the show on iTunes so that when uh, the show starts up again, you will get the episode automatically to your computer, phone, or tablet. Otherwise, keep checking back into the podcast page, www.cooperblade.com slash viewed for the upcoming shows. The intro-outro music is the song Freeway by the artist Kurt Vile off his album Constant Hitmaker and was used under a Creative Commons license. Thanks as always to the BTK University of Art and Design for guidance and technical support, especially to Eric Berg. And uh, until we meet again, I'm Cooper Blade. Thanks for listening. Let me let me ask you a question because you told me this is the last, uh, possibly the last podcast yeah. of, the, of the season. Yeah, and uh, you know I listened to most of them, and uh, but then then I'm thinking, you know, uh, who are you? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, why why are you interested in these and uh, yeah, uh, what you're looking forward to and so on. Yeah, I'm really curious about it, and I think you know maybe. Other people listen to these are curious about it. Yeah, so yeah. So I'm going to turn the table around. No, I did that because we need to do an internship at this school. So I'm at the BTK, University of Art and Design here in Berlin. And uh, we have to do an internship. And I'm more interested in this kind of uh, documentary, photojournalism, uh, art, photography kind of direction. And right. not so much this like fashion photography, commercial photography um you know these like where they have where there's tons of money, but they're trying to sell something. I'm just not. It's not the direction that I want to go in. And so then I was thinking, okay, where can I do an internship? And I'm also from the United States, and I'm here in Berlin, and I'm still I, I'm in no way a part of the photography scene. And so I didn't know. Like I thought maybe I could go intern at some gallery, but what does one want to do in an internship? And for me, that's either to see people working like behind the scenes or yeah. to just talk with them and ask them questions. And so I asked myself like how, at the same time, I, I've been uh, listening to a lot of podcasts, which is this, it's pretty easy, cheap way to, I don't know, create something. Right. And something that was very meaningful for me was I was, you know, listening to these like 15 podcasts, like every week I would, yeah. you know, get them and listen and, um, so it kind of all, I thought one day I was just like, well, why don't I start my own podcast? And so it's just, it's been an excuse for me to to get into the same room with people because I think they'd be a little more, I mean, not everybody you email, you know, is like Martin Parr and says like, yeah, sure, come, yeah. you know, next <laughs> Tuesday. Even though I think a lot of people are more willing than we and like to admit. Of, yeah. It also gave me the motivation to, so one, I think people would say like, podcast maybe interview it sounded more official than just some you know photographer um emailing them and so it's been really uh i mean the people that i've gotten to sit in the same you know room with has been quite incredible and i think yeah. uh you know i i want to keep doing it I, and i hope uh it's also something that somebody out there would uh, enjoy listening to you know to and, yeah. and and then this idea of what we talked about earlier was like a raw interview and a conversation is something that I find I hold deeply to me that is something that's been important for me, whether it's one I've heard or one I've been conducting with someone. And so I think 
you know, I hope that I can create something too in a way that could be uh, helpful for someone. And then, you know, there's always this this idea too of like, I want to, you know, make a dent in the world somehow. And so I hope I can make a dent by helping people. You know, I think that's something really hard for us to do is like, how do we do something, but that in, is inherently a good thing. Yeah, you're just doing it for your own sake or yeah, yeah, yeah. it doesn't at least one person out there make uh, maybe a little bit of a difference yeah yeah, yeah. i hope so so you know. but it sounds to me like you are honestly interested in uh, in the topic and yeah uh, and the whole thing no I, i i mean it is you know has become my life now and so <laughs> i and and i and that also motivated me to get in you know the best people for uh you know that i could get my hands on to like And it was everybody that I talked with in some way moved it. Like your video was like something that I saw and I was like, this is great. And then I was like, wait, he's in Berlin. So why not, you know, try and get him? And the same with Jamila, who was my first interview. You know, I was sitting at home reading the New York Times, which is actually quite funny because her, it was a photo essay or a, she had done photos for a, piece on the Energiewende okay. that was in the, the New York Times. Mm. And so, and then I saw her name and was like, hey, uh, I'll just, and then she was in Berlin and then I talked with her. And so, you know, and, and I want to build this idea of a relate of relationships too and friendships and a community, which I think as photographers were, it's so easy for us to sit back and do our own thing yeah. and not have a conversation and so i think anytime we can get people together to have a conversation uh is a good thing 